This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our goal-setting course, Your Best Year Ever. Discover how you can create a better 2021 no matter what. Claim your copy today at bestyearever.me. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today we're going to talk about accomplishing big things, big goals, but in a way that you might not have considered or at least may have underutilized. We're going to talk about the power of incremental change over time or taking little steps that go a long way. So, Megan, welcome. Good to see you. Hey, Dad. It's great to be here. I love this topic because I think that it is the antidote to overwhelm and also kind of the answer for um, our goal-setting skeptics out there who may have tried and failed to accomplish big goals. You've tried to go after something big and they just, you know, got derailed along the way. I think this can be a really important missing piece in that conversation. So I'm excited to dig in. Well, you've probably heard this before. People advocate that if you want to accomplish something really important, you've got to take massive action. Yep. Right? So you've got to do something big, dramatic, bold, if you want to achieve dramatic, big, bold things. And I I I think that probably there's sometimes when that, that is necessary. But I think for most things, that's actually the wrong approach. And in fact, that's the approach that leads to overwhelm and leads to procrastination. Because you know that you can't gin up that much energy or whatever it is or sustain it. And so you kind of give up before you start or you quit Mm -hmm. soon after you start. So we're going to talk about a completely different approach today. Yeah, Dad, I think that lots of little steps can really get you wherever you want to go. And, you know, this is not like the the big sexy idea here of, um, you know, like your big, crazy, hairy, audacious goal idea. You know, this is sort of like the tortoise and the hare. But I tell you what, I mean, people really overestimate what they can do in the short term, but they underestimate what they can do in the long term with incremental change. So, you know, as it turns out, these incremental improvements day after day after day, they start to stack up and you end up actually with the potential to make pretty dramatic change. You're just not doing it all at once. And I think particularly around things like habit goals, the opportunity for sustainable change, for for change that really lasts, is so much greater with incremental progress than some massive action all at once. Okay, so let's talk about a few examples so that people understand and this makes it concrete for them. So one of the easiest places to understand this is in the realm of finances. Right. Right. So years ago, in the early 90s, I had a fateful meeting with Dave Ramsey, who at that time wasn't famous, but we knew him socially. I had met him a couple times before. And Gail, unbeknownst to me, set up a meeting with him, a private meeting, a consultation with him. And I didn't know that's where we were going until we arrived. She said, I just need you to get in the car and go with me. And, you know, you'll know where we're going when we get there. Well, uh, I was embarrassed. I was mortified because we were like over $40,000 in debt. And as you know, or should know about Dave Ramsey, if there's one thing Dave hates in the world, it's debt and particularly credit card debt. And so here I was with all this credit card debt, absolutely mortified that this had been revealed to him. Well, Dave was incredibly gracious, kind, and and Dave explained to us the concept, which at that time hadn't been 
you know, codified in any kind of book. It was just a concept that he had learned personally. He shared with us the concept of baby steps. Yeah. So getting out of, out of debt through baby steps. Now, up until that point, I, I knew I had a problem with debt. I mean, it was strangling us. You know, every month we struggled because we had, as Dave often says, a month left over at the end of our paycheck. Yep. Right. So it, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. And we tried to attack it through massive action. You know, I thought, well, man, if I could just come up with some side project that would create a windfall, I could pay off this debt. Yeah. Or if I could get just some big promotion or change jobs and get, you know, a salary increase, then I could could deal with this thing. And Dave's whole concept was, no, you don't need to change jobs. You don't need to do a lot different than what you're doing, but you do need to take baby steps. And so the first thing we did, you know, is we created an emergency fund so that our payoff plan didn't get derailed by something unexpected. And then we started just paying down the debt. And then one of the things Dave teaches is that you pay down the smallest debt first and you do this thing called the debt snowball. And literally within 12 months, we're completely out of debt. That's amazing. You know what I think is important about that story? Sometimes people think either I have to go after big things or I have to kind of uh, resign myself to making small incremental progress. But they're actually related to each other. And it's not an either or kind of thing. In, That's in right. fact, when you have the discipline to make incremental progress day after day and you just work on consistency, you end up with a dramatic change. I mean, getting out of debt is a big deal, for example. Um, people see this in their health with their fitness all the time. They see it in their businesses. You know, there's so many places where incremental progress is important and necessary. And, um, you know, they, they end up accomplishing a huge goal. Goal, usually many huge goals over a period of time, but they're just making that slow, steady progress along the way. And it's easy to discount that on the front end, but it's not either or. You can accomplish big things and you can do it uh, one step at a time. So an example of this in my own life has been strength training. I feel like, you know, for a few episodes now, I've talked about kind of my fitness journey this year. Um, but you know, I, uh, I have been a pretty consistent walker for a long time and at various times in my life, I've done quite a bit of strength training. I enjoy it. I like feeling strong, but I really haven't done that consistently in the last few years. I had a shoulder surgery and some other things that, you know, made that difficult and just, you know, just kind of lost my vision for it. So I decided to start doing it again, um, over the summer and have been working virtually with a trainer who kind of creates a, a program for me. You know, I don't work out with her, but she creates this program. And when I started, you know, I, I mean, I was pretty, I wasn't like totally out of shape, but I was from a cardiovascular standpoint, but I had not trained my muscles in a long time at that, in that way. And so I started with exercise bands and, you know, I was doing like, and by that, I mean, like, you know, those tubular bands, with little handles on the end, you can get them on Amazon, you know, it's like, they're, the, great. they're so great. You can travel with them. Not that we're doing that anymore at this very moment, you know, but they're an inexpensive way to get started. And when I got my little pack of, um, of exercise bands, I was using the lightest ones, you know, it was, it was like all I could do to do my, you know, 10 to 15 reps of whatever I was, was working on. Like 10 on. pounds? No, like 10 to 15 reps. And the, the weights were probably, they were probably like five pounds, 10 pounds, mm -hmm. 15 pounds, 20 pounds, maybe something like that. And, and so when I would do these various workouts that my trainer had configured in this app that she uses, you know, like that, I was on the low end of those, those uh, lightest versions of those bands. 
Well, now fast forward the time of this recording, it's mid-November and, um, you know, I'm doing, not only am I doing the heaviest ones, I had to order some more. So I'm now up to like, you know, 40 pounds, whatever on a lot of the exercises that I'm doing. And I think I'll end up getting much stronger than that. But I didn't do that in one day. I wasn't like, okay, I'm using five pounds or 10 pounds. And then like two weeks later, I'm doing 40 pounds. No, I mean, we're, the progress was so slow that I hardly even noticed it when I would go up on a band. I'd be like, oh, that feels a little bit easy. You know, I can do probably like way more than 15 reps. I need to probably go to the next uh, difficulty of band, the next weight of band. And little by little, I just work through each one. You know, I've been through about six bands or something at this point, and I'm I'm on to the, the new set of bands that I had to order so that I can continue to challenge myself. Um, and I think that's a great metaphor for what we're talking about. I mean, I notice, noticeably am stronger at this point. I mean, my day-to-day life when I'm picking up our toddler uh, daughter, Naomi, or bringing groceries in, or I don't know, whatever, you know, just like ordinary life stuff. I'm like, wow, that's easier than it used to be. That's awesome. You know, I have more stamina than I used to. Um, And I'm really enjoying it. But as it turns out, this is actually like a real concept. And in weight training, it's called progressive overload. This is the idea that by increasing the amount that you lift every week over time, you can significantly increase your strength. So you're just pushing yourself just a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit day over day, making probably like single digit percentage point uh, progress that u- that ultimately leads to a pretty dramatic transformation. I, I love that idea of progressive overload. In yeah. fact, that could be the title of my autobiography. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Well, has there ever been a time like with strength training, maybe back when you were young and stupid, uh, that you decided to take the massive action approach? Um, yes. In fact, I have I probably have many stories of that. But when I was 20, um, I really got all fired up and I was like, you know, feeling tough. And I was like, let's go. Let's do this. So I hired this trainer who uh, was, you know, not much older than I was at that point. Who knows? Maybe I was his first client. I didn't, you know, know how to do the research at that point and find someone who was really um, equipped, you know, and experienced and able to help me. And I went in, I was I was laying on an um, incline bench that was flat. And I was going to do a chest press. So I'm laying on my back. I'm going to push these weights up, um, you know, kind of like as far as my arms could reach, you know, straight up in the air. And I did it. I don't remember what the weight was, but I lost control of the weight and I dislocated my shoulder, like ended up in the ER with this guy. I didn't know, you know, this trainer had to take me. I couldn't drive because my shoulder's dislocated. And before I know it, I'm sedated, my arms being put back into place. And you can believe that I did not lift any weights for a long time. Ultimately, that injury resulted in the surgery that I had a couple of years ago. So it was a, a pretty big deal. Well, this is this is graphic. You know, I just I was thinking of a humorous example here, and then I want to tell you a, a serious one. And I know we're giving you you guys a lot of examples, but we want you to understand this concept. Yeah, it's so critical, and I think it's easier to illustrate than just you know walk through the steps. We'll do some of that in a minute. But uh, you know, a good example of this is when you're young and you're a teenager and you decide that you know you need a a, a suntan, <laughs> and so yeah. you decide you know I'm going to get a suntan like today. And for somebody like mm. me, who's very fair skinned, right? And I just decide, you know, I don't need any of that sunscreen. No, I don't need fine. any tanning lotion. I'm just going to go out there for, oh, I don't know, say four or five hours, and boom, I'll have a suntan. <laughs> I've had some of the worst sunburns in my life, yep. and apparently, I'm a slow learner because I've I've done that more than once. And and of course, now I realize I don't really tan; I only get red. So I've given up on that idea. But another example is writing a book. Now, I've written at about this point about 12 books, 
But when I was writing the first one, I remember when I finally got a contract, it was rejected like 29 or 30 publishers said no. And then finally somebody said yes. They gave me a contract. I was excited for about, you know, maybe 60 seconds. Then I realized, holy smoke, now I got to write this book. And I'd never written a book before. Mm -hmm. And even turning in essays in college, you know, was a challenge. So I have to write this book. And so I procrastinated because it seemed like such a massive, massive project. And not having done it before, I was going through all the self-doubt, all that stuff. Right. Long story short, the deadline looms. You know, I'm coming upon the deadline. I know I've got to turn this in. I was in the publishing business at this time, so I knew how important it was to meet the deadline. And because I wanted a career as a writer, and so I didn't want to develop the reputation out of the gate that, you know, I couldn't deliver on time. So long story short, I finally had to check myself into one of those extended stay hotels. I remember this. And and for two weeks, thankfully, my wife, Gail, gave me permission to do this, but I was an extended Stay hotel for two weeks. And it was a frightening, horrible experience. <laughs> I wrote all day, every day for as long as I could. I had to like gin up the energy every morning, talk myself into it. And, you know, I was, I was terrified. I, I did turn it in on time, but it took me about three books to figure out that that's not the best way to approach a big project like writing a book. So then I figured out by the time I got to platform, in fact, I gave up writing after about three books. And then, you know, a couple decades later, uh, maybe not a couple decades later, but maybe a decade and a half later, um, I decided to write again. And that's when I did Platform, Get Noticed in a Noisy World, which ended up being a New York Times bestseller. But I completely wrote that in a different way. I essentially blogged the book, writing 500-word blog posts, collecting them and organizing them into a book. And that was pretty easy. And pretty much thereafter, that's how I wrote all the books. When I did Living Forward, you know, that was a, a case where I you know, outlined it. That was like step one, which seemed pretty easy. And then I would just write these little blocks of text. And I did it over the course of, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. And it, it wasn't scary. It wasn't as difficult. Writing's always difficult, but it wasn't certainly as difficult. But it also gave me confidence and that sense of progress. And that's what I think you lose when you at attempt the massive action thing. You don't get the benefit of making incremental progress. So you never get the chance to really boost your confidence so that you finish the project. Okay, so I have a, a question here that I wonder if some of our listeners are thinking as well. So we're like the goal achievement people. <laughs> we love goal setting. We love goal achievement. We've really developed a process around that that works. And one of the things that we talk about in the best year ever framework is to set goals in your discomfort zone, that they need your goals need to be risky. So how do we reconcile the need for our goals to be risky with the fact that we're praising the value of incremental change. Like how do those things go together? Yeah. Because if you set a goal in the discomfort zone, that sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. And depending on how far you are in the discomfort zone, that can be really hard. But when you're talking about what we're talking about today, you know, incremental change over time, that sounds easy. Right. So that's, that's what you're asking. Okay. This is really important that you guys pay, pay attention to what I'm about to say, because this this will change everything for you in goal achievement if you get this concept. Mm -hmm. Yes, always, always, always put your goal in the discomfort zone because that's going to give you, scientifically speaking, the best chance of achieving the goal. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to ignite your imagination, command your focus, and, and really get you excited about achieving something that's worth achieving. Mm -hmm. But the steps, particularly, particularly if they're habit steps, 
need to be in your comfort zone. They need to be so easy, the bar needs to be so low that you can just step over it, right? So for me, because I'd been blogging for a long period of time before I decided to write this book, you know, I had, I had you know, a lot of facility, a lot of capacity to write. And I thought, you know, I can write 500 words at a time. That seemed like a really low bar. And if you do that for 100 days, that's a 50,000-word book, right? And that's, that's about the length of most business books. So all of a sudden, this project that may be in the discomfort zone, I know we have a lot of people that are listening to this that want to write a book. I don't know if you've ever thought about writing it in this way. Maybe even take it down to 250 words a day. You know, that's, that's a book in less than a year, in 200 days. So that's easy while the goal remains in your discomfort zone. That's how you need to approach everything. So when I first met with the financial advisor that I, I have today, uh, Keith Nell, Megan, it's your same financial yep, advisor. Yeah, he's amazing. He, he challenged me big time about seven years ago to ramp up my savings. And so, um, you know, he had, a, he had a big goal for me, bigger than I had for myself in terms of what he wanted me to save. And I kind of gulped at the goal, but he made it, he broke it down into something I could do every month. Now, that was also a little bit bigger than, than I had the stomach for, but here was another thing I did. I put it on automatic pilot, so the money was automatically deducted before it ever got to me. In other words, I split it at the source. So before the distribution, you know, I had it automatically go into a, a savings and investment account. Yep. So you just got to break it down to where it's easy, but at the same time, hold on to that big goal. That's awesome. Hey, before uh, we move on, I think we should probably give Keith's information because people are going to be wondering who he is and how they can get in touch with him. Um, he works primarily with high net worth individuals and his company is called One Trusted Advisor. And I think that's the website too, onetrustedadvisor.com. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Um, all right. So I love this topic because I feel like this is where people really get stuck on goal setting. You know, they, they tend to kind of... Um, go with one side or the other. They either set these huge goals and and then they sort of don't know what to do next except continue to take huge steps, which doesn't usually last very long. Or they set goals that are in their comfort zone because they understand that incremental progress is how you get anywhere, you know, that's sustainable. And so they, they kind of get half of it right. But I think the power comes when you put these two things together. You know, you set goals that are really in your discomfort zone, something that you don't know how to accomplish yet. And the pathway to get there that you ultimately discover is just little steps by little steps. You never freak yourself out along the way. You know, it's it's one email or it's two miles or it's a few hundred dollars a month or what, you know, whatever. And it's just so powerful when you put those two things together. Well, I think we should be clear about the language. And I think if mm -hmm. we make the distinction I'm about to make about the language of it, we can go forward with clarity. We want to set a goal that's, that's three months to three years into the future. So we have quarterly goals, we have annual goals, and we have more long-term goals, right? And those need to fit that smarter framework that we talk about in your best year ever. So the smarter framework, and that's an acronym if you've never been through the course before, but it stands for Specific, Measurable, Actionable, Risky, Time-Keyed. In other words, there needs to be a date associated with it. It needs to be exciting, and it needs to also be relevant to this season in life, to all your other goals and all the things that we talk about. So that's a goal. But to achieve a goal, you need to do one of two things. You need to identify the next steps. And so for a one-and-done goal, which we call an achievement goal, then that's usually a series of steps, and then you check it off. 
but you can also employ a habit step. So in other words, a habit, like writing 500 words a day or 250 words a day, can be a habit that you develop that moves you incrementally toward the fulfillment of that goal. So again, goals, steps, and habits. And steps and habits are just two different strategies for achieving those big goals. So I have a feeling that people are wondering, how do you get started in pursuing incremental change? This idea that small hinges swing big doors. We don't have to do a lot. We just have to do it consistently uh, over time and it adds up to something big. But how do we get started? Well, the first thing I would suggest is get crystal clear on the goal, the big goal, maybe even the scary goal that you want to achieve and write it in the smarter format. So that's that's the first thing. You know, is it write a book? Is it to become stronger and, you know, maybe you can measure that in a certain way. It doesn't really actually matter. You know, it could be an aspiration for what we're talking about here when it comes to goal setting, that's different. But, um, you know, maybe it's to save a certain amount of money. Maybe it's to completely restore a relationship that's broken. You know, whatever it is, whatever whether it's an aspiration or a goal, get clarity about it, what it is you're trying to achieve. So once you have your goal clear, I think the next step is to break things down into small steps. So this is really easy if it's something that you're going to use a habit as a strategy for. You know, if you have um, a goal to write a book, you just need to figure out how many words per day or per week you need to write. So that's pretty easy. Um, it could also be, though, if, if you have an achievement goal and you need to basically think of your next actions, these are things like send an email, make a phone call, you know, write a title page draft a proposal. I mean, these are these are like small steps that are not overwhelming. And the, and the test for you, if they're small enough, is do I feel overwhelmed or not? Does this feel doable? If you were to put this on uh, your big three for the day, one of your, your three tasks that you're committed to accomplishing today, would you feel overwhelmed or would you kind of say to yourself, yeah, it's totally doable? Because that's what you want to think. You want to think this is doable. And if you think that, then you've appropriately kind of broken down these big goals into little pieces. Also, another thing we should say, if you're new to goal setting or maybe you feel like you haven't been that successful in the past, you don't have to figure out all the steps to accomplishing a goal at the beginning. You just really need to remember this principle of chunking things down into totally doable, non-overwhelming steps to get you all the way there. If you can figure out the next few, then once you've gotten those done, you'll figure out the next few after that and so on and so forth. You know, I'm almost hearing somebody say, yeah, but what if even the small steps feel too hard? Yeah. So this happened to me recently because, as you know, I'm trying to recover from these neck problems. And so I've gotten involved with this methodology of alignment called Egoscue. Uh And so the therapist that's working with me gave me about a 30-minute routine. And as it turned out, um, I was procrastinating and not doing that because it was taking too much time. Because by the time I'm doing cardio and by the time I'm doing strength training, I just, you know, I'm not a full-time fitness person, <laughs> right? So this has got to fit into the rest of my life. So even that small step, because at the time I said yes to him, I said, okay, well, 30 minutes. I mean, how hard could that be? Right. Well, as it turns out, that's pretty hard to do every day. Yep. And so so I'm meeting with him today. And one of the things I'm going to say to him is we've got to chunk this down to no more than 20 minutes. So I think consistency and consistency is your friend. Yes. And that's the biggest challenge with a habit is to be consistent. It's not scary all by itself, but to do it day after day. So if you're stumbling over getting it done and it still feels too big, then 
make it smaller because again, you want to have the bar so low that you can step over it. I think that is such wisdom. And this has been a huge key to my success. (laughs) I just keep lowering the bar in certain areas, uh, which is pretty counterintuitive. But for example, in my morning ritual, you know, that was something that for a long time, I just felt was elusive, you know, that it was, I needed to have as much time as you had, for example, to be able to successfully do that. Um, There was no way that I could do that with my kids. Uh, I constantly got interrupted or somehow or another it got thwarted. And what I realized was I needed to like take that bar so low that no matter what happened in my life every morning, I could make it happen. And so there was a time when I was doing a five minutes, that's it, five minutes That was the only uh, little part of my day that I would carve out for that. And once I got successful at that, and the great thing about doing this, by the way, is you develop confidence. Once I had confidence and momentum, I started to add a little bit more to it. I still keep it very realistic. It's not five minutes anymore, um, but I started at five minutes and that gave me enough consistency that I could build on it. Love that. You know, if I think back over the course of my life, if I could have learned this lesson out of the gate. If I'd been taught this in college, right. for example, Ugh. I think of the difference it could have made. Yep. Uh, like financially is like the first thing that comes to mind. Yep. You know, you, you know, the power of compound interest. I understood it sort of mathematically in the abstract, but if somebody had said to me, you know, if you could just start saving, you know, a hundred or a few hundred dollars a month and, and kind of make the sacrifice now, by the way, this is also Dave Ramsey 101. If I could do that, you know, over time, that would have been a fortune, but I got started saving way late in life, way later than I should have. And, and I think that, that we could apply this to, you know, physical issues. You know, I've, I've had a couple of health crises, you know, in my life that could have been entirely avoided if I had applied what we're talking about today to my life. It works in relationships. It works in big projects. It works in business. It works in everything. Yeah, I think what I thought when I was younger was uh, like habits were important. I got the I got the value of making incremental progress or of doing things consistently. I got that, you know, the idea of discipline, uh, the idea of habits, all that. It's just I always made it too hard, you know. And so I would do really well for a few weeks or maybe a couple of months, and then I would fall off because something would happen, and it would just it would not be in small enough increments that I really could maintain it over time. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older is make it easier. Keep making it easier until you really can do it consistently, and you're still going to get a, an incredible benefit at the end of that. Um, in fact, much greater than you would if you had, had raised the bar too high earlier on. Totally. You know, as I'm thinking about this, I, I was just thinking about you know, why don't we approach it this way? And I think one of the cultural things that works against us is sort of our focus on instant gratification. Yeah. You know, I, I want to write a book, but I like want it now, right? Or I want to be strong and I want to be strong now or at the very latest next week. Or if I want a suntan, you know, I got to have it today. <laughs> but, but the problem is, is when we take on goals like that that are too big, then we end up procrastinating and it actually takes longer than it would have if we had employed this slower way of incremental progress over time. I mean, isn't this basically, I mean, it's not like we just came up with this idea. This is in all the ancient, you know, stories like the tortoise and the hare. Right. And that's all this is, the tortoise and the hare. Yep. So take the tortoise way, be like the tortoise. 
Well, I hope that this has been a really empowering episode to you guys, because for me, this is encouraging. This is empowering. It gets me excited again about trying to do big things and even hard things, because I know that it's not going to necessarily be hard in the moment day to day. I can make it really doable, really easy. Um, You know, if you've been somebody who has been um, reluctant to set goals, or maybe you've tried and failed, and you're thinking, you know, what, what would be the difference maker this time? This is one of the strategies that can really make a difference for you. And if you want to go deeper in the conversation about goal setting, if you want to really set yourself up for an amazing 2021, um, and believe it or not, 2021 can be amazing, even if 2020 has been really tough for you, like it has for most of us, there's so much potential in 2021. In fact, we think a lot about, um, you know, this idea of taking uh, the future back. That's what we want for you in 2021. We have a brand new course on goal setting and goal achievement called Your Best Year Ever. Over 50,000 people have been through this over the last several years. We keep making it better. This year, it's a brand new version, um, the best we've ever done, in fact. And we would love for you to join us on that journey of goal achievement. You can find out more about it at yourbestyearever.com. Dad, do you have any final thoughts today? Yeah, again, you know, I talk about this a lot, but the alternative to setting goals for this next year are just kind of to drift into this next year and hope it's better than last year. And as somebody has said, hope is not a strategy. You know, you need a process. And we provide that process in your best year ever. So we've talked about just one aspect of it in this episode today, but there are tons of insights and strategies like that that'll help you create, you know, the life of your dreams. And I, I don't use that lightly, but but to create a better life, your best year ever, you know, all that's possible. And it just, all you need is a process and that's what the course offers. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. It's been our pleasure to talk to you about this topic. And until next week, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our goal setting course, Your Best Year Ever. Discover how you can create a better 2021 no matter what. Claim your copy today at bestyearever.me.